0: to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. My name is Bjorn. I am uh, one of the leaders here at Red. It's great to be with you here in uh, sort of our summer series while we're sort of getting back into things here. I love being here um, I want to really encourage you, last week, uh, Ryan sort of set up the year for us. It was our first service back, um, start of 2019, and an incredible message. And if you weren't here, uh, or I encourage you to listen to it again, listen to his podcast. What Ryan really did was set up the year by, he talked about, you know, often we set up a year by saying, oh, you know, how, do we, how do we set up ourselves up for success in 2019? And really, the, the question that Ryan actually posed was, how do we set ourselves up for spiritual growth in 2019. And he, and he gave this incredible message. I really, really enjoyed it, loved it, and really challenged me. And uh, actually, I'm going to preach out the same passage today. Um, I, it was a great stuff. Uh, I'm not adding to it. I'm actually going to accompany what Ryan talked about, um, especially when it comes to talking about what, what God is doing this year. See, last year was a good year uh, for me. I really enjoyed it. There were some tough things as well. Uh, my wife Beth, particularly, uh, had some difficult things going on, and she's happy for me to share that uh, in multiple areas. Some stuff with her, some stuff external to her. But with my wife, you would never really know that things are going on. She's just pleasant demeanour. She's lovely. She's friendly. She's always up for a chat, uh, not just with me, but for everyone. She's just she's awesome. She's a great wife. Uh, she's always smiling. But last year, I'm just trying to say nice things about her, so which is always always a tick. Um, the uh, but last, last, when Christmas came around last year, uh, we, we had some incredible services here. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of excitement and joy here, and she said to me, she says, oh, you know what, while we were singing all these songs, you know, joy to the world, and we had this awesome choir, thank you, Terry, singing Joyful, Joyful, great work, um, it was dancing, it was really exciting. Beth said to me, she said, um, that somehow she forgot about joy, with the tough year that was going on and all that happened, uh, she said she... Forgot about joy, and there was something in those services. She said she was quite moved by the spirit, who reminded her about the joy of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. That that there's a there's a joy that we all have uh, in being Christians. And then at the same time last year in our evening service before the service, Trudy who uh, who oversees our prayer and oversees Alpha here at Red, she had a sort of a message for for Red, and in, she said for 2019 that it would be this year of joy and that it would be permeate all that we do and then ryan gets up last week and he starts this service reading from uh, philippians and it says the verse the very first that he read was it says rejoice always in the lord i say it again rejoice it's just a great show great joy in the lord always so what I really want to do is actually going to camp out in the same passage that Ryan Ryan used last week and unpack what what is it this that it means for this to have us to have joy in 2019 this word that Trudy had for this church. So we're, I'm just going to read this passage again. So that's page 820. Um, if you're new and you don't I don't know if I said this already, but if you don't own a Bible, that's your Bible to take. You can keep that, take that home. That's yours to keep. That's our gift to you. So let's read. This is Philippians 4. It's on the screen, uh, four to seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. What I like to do is always give you a bit of a setup about what's going on here in the Bible. This is a letter that Paul the Apostle, he's gone and visited a whole lot of churches or set-up churches, and he's visited this church in Philippi a couple of times, and he's writing a letter to the people there, the Philippians, the name of the book. And he loves this church. If you read through it, he's always celebrating them. He's excited about them. He's thankful for them. They're incredible. He talks about they're the ones who have financially just in a beautiful way, just sacrificed money for him as he's gone around and visited other churches, and not just when he was in Philippi, but he's gone to other churches, and they sent money as well, and he's just got nothing but praise and praise for them, and he celebrates and all this, and then he says, like I said, where Ryan, Ryan mentioned it, he says, we, he says that we rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. But I want to go back a few verses before this, and I've got it on the screen, because there's something something important here that we need to sort of see before we uh, jump into this, the verse that that we just read. Paul here, uh, again, he's an incredible love for this church, but there's a few things that need to be sorted out, and he's got this incredible authority that he likes to just, he just mentions. So, we we read here in verses 2-3, it says here, I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with you, Sintith, to be of the same mind in the Lord. So he's asking these two women to sort of, you know, to, to be of the same mind. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended, I love that word, contended at my side because of the gospel. What he's writing to them and he's saying to them here, and this is important, that he goes, you guys need to get along. You guys need to just, you need to, you need to sort out your issues. There's, there, you need to work together because there's something bigger going on. We're doing this, it says here, for the sake of the gospel, and he says, why is this? It's because we're trying to paint a picture here. This is an early church here. This is like they're expanding and they're pushing into uncharted territories. And he says, we're trying to paint a picture here to the world, to people who are dying, people who are, uh, are going to hell. We need you to, to get along. And I love that. Again, I love that authority that Paul has to call that out on these people. And then and if you keep reading, he goes, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel, along with other people, Clement and the rest of my co-workers, because all of you, your names are written in the book of life. He says, you know, look, we've got to help each other out. We've got to look after each other. He says, Clement, all you other guys, we don't really know what's going on. We know early church, it was a lot of persecution. People's friends and family were being uh, persecuted and I know there's kids in the service here, but they were burned on the cross, sorry, but up on, on stakes and everything. You have to put this as the Bible. You have to, um, you know, who knows, maybe they're struggling with family. Maybe they're struggling with friends. Um, maybe there's financial troubles. We don't actually know, but it says to help them out because their names are written in this book of life. And then after that, he then, he says, rejoice and always in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So the question I'm going to ask this morning, when was the last time you rejoiced because your name was written in the book of life? Maybe not rejoiced, when was the last time you even thought about your name being written in the book of life, that that your name is written somewhere in heaven for those of you who are followers of Jesus? Is your name written in the book of life? I know mine is. If you're not sure about that, actually, not, if you're not sure about that, what that means, we'd love to talk to you. Come have a chat to us after the service. We would love to talk to you, about, to you about that. But when was the last time you thought that your name was in the book of life? When was the last time you rejoiced in that? I think about the time in, in Luke 10, earlier in the New Testament, Jesus, he sends out his disciples. He sends, out, he sends a whole lot of them out, and he goes out, and he sends them out with this power, and they go out and they do these healings, they cast out demons, um, and people are just starting to follow, follow these disciples, pointing them to Jesus. They, uh, they become Christians, so to speak, or the followers of Jesus. They follow the way, and these disciples are excited. They are joyous about what is going on. They get so excited, they come running back to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, 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 we cast out demons. How was, and they're saying, we're joyful, so much joy that we've got to be able to cast out demons, and this exciting stuff. And Jesus says, Well, all right, stop there for a second. In Luke 10, it says, he says, don't rejoice that you cast out demon, demons. He write, rejoice because your name is written in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't, don't, take, don't take joy, don't rejoice in the things that are you know, unstable, that are up and down, but rejoice in the things that are stable, things that are in heaven, that are always there, things that don't change. That's why he's saying rejoice always. Your name is written in this book of life. See, one side there's this, Joy that comes from the world, as Hebrew eleven describes it, as a as a fleeting pleasure of sin. It's like fleeting; it only lasts a moment. Some of the stuff that we go after in this world. On the other side, it says that there's this in Galatians it said that there's this joy that comes from uh, the fruits of the spirit. What are the fruits? Love, joy, peace, passion, kindness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all in Galatians. You've got you've got this temporary, unstable, situational joy and happiness in the world, and you've got this stable. Eternal joy and happiness that comes from the Lord. We just need to decide which, like where our joy comes from. We chase after this joy and happiness like it's something new, but for years and years you've read, you read over people who have tried this and pursued things and never found anything. But there's, there's, I mean, you read a book of Ecclesiastes. It's a classic book that I love. It's one of my favorite books. It's written for us to remind us about this, where King Solomon tried everything, I mean everything. He tried parties, he tried women, he tried buildings, he, tr- he tried nature. Do you know he tried to build forests? thats what He goes, like, I've got to try all this stuff. This is what it says, Ecclesiastes. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. After I said, it's madness. what? And what does pleasure accomplish? Solomon tried everything in this world to bring himself joy, but he never found it in any of those things outside of God. Like Jesus said, don't take joy in the things of this world, take joy in the things that are eternal. That's what Paul's talking about. You see, as Christians, when Paul says this, he's essentially giving the church a command to rejoice. You're often thinking about it like it's a command. Paul has this uh, authority we see in the way he talks to um, the people in the church to sort of uh, ask them to get on, get on for the sake of the gospel. Uh, he has this authority and this command. And he says with his command, he says, Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And with scripture, with all Scripture being God, breathe. And what, well, the way we, we value what Paul says, God is speaking through, through Paul, and he's, he's commanding us to Rejoice. And think about Paul, this is, this is, if you want to get some context, Paul is not someone who's living up life as it is. It's not like he's got ripped abs and he's got cash falling out of his pockets or, you know, he's, fi- he's wearing Israel's finest threads. This is not Paul. If you want to know, Paul has been through the ringer. He's had a tough life. And I would say, to some degree, a tougher life than most of us have had. It, you read, it, the Bible talks about him being beaten, whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, snake bites. I mean, come on, hunger, thirst, and not just once, multiple times. This is what Paul has faced as he has, uh, as he has spread the gospel and the good news. And then to cap it off, where is Paul when he is writing this letter? Anyone know? He's in prison. The guy's in prison, and not because he, he murdered someone or did something. He's in prison because he's, he's sharing the gospel of Jesus. And that, that, all that history that he's been through, and he's in prison, this is where he writes, Rejoice always. I say it again, rejoice. This is what, he understands what James is talking about when, when, in the book of James where it says, take joy in your suffering. There's something about it that you are able to be joyful in all circumstances. I mean, can God actually command us to rejoice? Doesn't really sound like a command. It's not like you know, don't kill someone, don't steal. Like we're happy. I want to ask this. We're happy pulling people up when they don't do the right thing. We confront people if they're lying. We confront people, you know, if they're stealing. We confront people if they're, you know, talking bad about someone. We're good at that, parents. We're great at pulling up our kids when they're doing the wrong thing, just for the sake of them to get better. But my concern is that we don't take serious, take this as seriously as we should, that we don't really want to confront people on this issue of rejoicing. I and mean, if you come across a, a follower of Jesus who isn't joyful, um, and you may confront them on it, but you might find them saying, well, you don't know me, you don't know what's going on, you don't know my circumstances. And we do have a tendency in this Western cult- culture to wallow in our misery. But what the Bible says, this is not about individual circumstances. This is about being joyful, as Paul says in Thessalonians. He says, this is about being joyful in all circumstances. In the good times, in the bad. Because when we're joyful in those, that's when when God is glorified. When was the last time you encouraged someone to be more joyful? Point them back to Jesus. What Ryan was talking about last week, talking and spending time with Jesus. Because the command to be joyful always in the Lord. And it's hard, I have to admit. Our culture doesn't lend us to being like that. It's, it's not necessarily in our, uh, uh, our, our Western nature. If you think about media and sensationalism, um, it's all about you know on the internet what gets the most clicks, and what gets the most clicks is usually something quite negative for the most part. It gets a response, you know, more clicks, more dollars. Um, and, and last last Christmas, Beth was talking about this this joy she was experiencing, and I remember she was telling me the date. It was the 30th of December, and not long after that, I'm just flipping through my phone, reading the news from a somewhat reputable news site, and I looked at the articles that were there. Right, and I'm going to show you the first 20 articles that came up. I haven't changed this. This is in the order it came up. Again, kids in the, in the room, sorry, but, um, or parents, I'm sorry for the kids that are in the room. Some, I've blocked out some stuff, but uh, essentially, I haven't manipulated this. All right, this is just literally one by one what came up. All right, the first one, first one, couldn't leave the house, miracle drug with horror side effects. So again, the language is always quite inflammatory. Next one, Australia, last day of the, uh, the test, history made an awful. Aussie, humiliation, the debacle, the language here is just quite, i have got to keep going, there's a few here, devastating fallout of Tower Cries, everything's in talking marks, devastating, right, I had to block this one out, Aussie's filthy toe poke causes agony in a, in a boxing match, right, Australians' worst film are killers, Schumacher accident after, after revealed, bag rage, She's is my favourite, you can see I've clicked on it, see it's highlighted, bag rage, here's what will be band next you know this is the language that we use okay this is it. even this one sponsored content Sad story behind recovered toys. It's not very positive, is it? This is, this is what our culture... Let's keep going. Absolutely fabulous star dies. All right, that's news. That a celebrity died. Is that news? And But, you know, it is. A, if you read the article, they talked about some sad stuff in her life. Um, man's craze one-hour crime spree. Leadership. Man, we pay out our leadership. We are not good with leadership and authority. Dutton's extraordinary spray at Turnbull. New twist of Morocco tourist killer probe. Love this one. I clicked on it. Sick of it. Kiriago's heart... What an honest admission. Like, and you should read that. It was incredible. It wasn't that incredible. Killers who get away. unsolved mysteries. Mystery drug. That kills man at music festival. I'm still going. Man caught after tarmac chaos. Um, Trump claims big progress for China. Actually, that sounds good. Read the article. It wasn't. Tragedy. <laughs> tragedy in paradise as dad dies in Bali. No, I didn't manipulate one, And I couldn't actually put the next one. It wasn't not appropriate for church. No wonder we're so depressed and anxious. No wonder we find it so hard to rejoice in this world when this is the culture we live in. My kids, my kids are perceptive to it. I was talking to um, my daughter Georgia. Uh, she's she's quite a perceptive kid. Uh, we're talking to, I was talking about being joyful and, and negative society and all that sort of stuff. And she goes, you know, the kids it's cool. It's kind of cool to be negative, right? The kid, the, my, my daughter was telling us about a friend of hers who who loves to go swimming, but she's like, I've got to go swimming. My mom's making me go. You know, my mum You know how it is. And Georgia's like. She loves swimming. What is she talking about? Why is she, she, she really, she's even realizing that somehow it's like to be unjoyful or to be negative, to be solemn, is that's the way to be cool in our society. Now, this, if this is where our culture is at, if this is the moment we're in, what an opportunity we have as followers of Jesus to show the world what joy in all circumstances means. Hear what I'm saying? What if people saw us and wondered why we were joyful, especially in the tough times? Re- rejoice always in the Lord, Paul's saying. Michael Frost, he calls this living, living questionable lives. It's not a negative questionable lives, but that people would ask us questions as to why we're doing things. Why are you like this? Tell me more. I always like telling the story of young Alex here, who's one of our young guns. He, give me permission to tell this story. Uh, he comes to our morning service Hadn't been to church. Maybe when he was younger, dad took him to church. No, no. Okay. Never been to church. All right. Here's a guy who's hardly been to church. Um, dad had some sort of faith, but, you know, it was, um, hadn't been to church. Uh, he saw something in his Christian friends, something that was different, and he started asking questions. So literally, he jumps on Google, right, as the best most of us do, and he starts just Googling local churches. He sees this thing called Red Church. He emails us. A lot. I still read your email from time to time because it encourages me, and it says, uh, I want to come to your church. What time is it? What do I need to wear? <laughs> and we laugh about it, but really, the, the world knows very little about what we do in here. They've got this perception about what we do, what we're like. Um, but he—he, he, it sounds funny, but you know, hadn't been to church, and he rocks up, and he comes, and he feels welcomed, and he feels loved, and he wants to know more. And this guy, you know, he's, he's helping us, you know, he's serving here, he's volunteering at Red, he's doing missional work, working with Kids Hope, um, he, he's inviting people to uh, Alpha, he's, Pat, who went to Alpha, he's with him right next to him. Um, you know, this is a guy that saw something different in someone else, right, something in a Christian and said, I want to know more. This is the opportunity in, because we're, like I said, we're in this cultural moment where people are looking for answers. They're looking for truth. They're looking for joy. They're just looking in the wrong places. What if we are the people who are joyful in all circumstances? What I want to do is is give you I always like giving practicals. Like, how do we actually do this? Right? What can we do? How can we be more joyful? First of all, go back and listen to Ryan's message. This, this we talk about a coming, the, the fruits of the spirit it comes down to you know being in the presence of Jesus and knowing him more reading your Bible. this is where it all starts. but I'll give you another practical that there is something about gratitude and sacrifice that brings us joy. I've been reading, uh, Proverbs with my kids, we, we, we believe, my wife and I believe that wisdom is something that is very much lacking in our culture nowadays, and so we, at dinner time, we sit down and we just read through a proverb, right? We talk about it, we explain it, and then we say, how can we put this into practice? So, and it's been wonderful, we've been enjoying it, I've been learning stuff as well, which is great, um, so it's not just for the kids, like, you know, reading the Bible, it, 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 it speaks to you as well. And so, one of the things my kids do—we uh, want to practice—is they—they love. My wife drives them to usually to events or to school in the morning and picks them up. They love sitting in the front seat. So there's my wife and my two kids, right? But who doesn't want to sit in the front seat? Everyone. When I was a kid, I wanted to sit in the front seat. That's what it was. And my kids will will fight over who gets into the front seat. You know what I mean? I did it. I have nothing against them. I know they—that's what it is. But then again, it, that's like no. Then it gets quite a bit aggressive sometimes, and it gets a bit narky. But you know, and they're good kids generally. But they, um, I have to say that because they are, they are, right? So I love them a bits. But, you know, they work out some system. All right, one day you do it, then one day I'll do it. But then what happens if, you know, mum takes one of the kids and they sit in the front. But, no, but you sat there in the front then that day, even though it wasn't my day. Now it's my turn. Back and back, back and forth, back and forth. So we came up with this thing. Well, let's practically, let's do this. Why don't you fight? This is what we've been reading in Proverbs. Why don't you fight to show love by, why don't you fight to let the other person have what they want? Why don't you fight to say, yes, you sit in the front. Why? Because you actually find joy in giving up and sacrificing and giving to the other. Now, as adults, we might seem that's like, like really, does it matter? I mean, these trips, I mean, sit in the front seat, these trips are literally two minutes from our door to the, to, the, to the school. You know, this is hardly anything, right? But it sounds trivial to us that we would fight, for the kids would fight for something so ridiculous. But let's be honest, we're no different. We fight for things that we don't need in this world. We fight for position or we fight for promotion or we fight like, like how can I get more money or bigger house or a better car or the, the latest gadgets, you know, that we, we fight for attention or we fight for approval. We fight for things like Mark talked about in, a, in a, this a couple of months ago about the scarcity, the idea that we fight for things because we're going to miss out. Things that seem so important at the time but have little Eternal impact—the things that don't bring us joy, really, maybe a fleeting moment, as it says in Hebrews. We go after things in this world like our kids are fighting for the front seat. Again, if you look at the Apostle Paul's life, gave up everything, literally everything, for the kingdom of God, and it's not like he's upset. He doesn't stop talking about joy. If you, I mean, if you just flip through the Book of Philippians, there's everywhere he says. Uh, Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, he he says. Then make my joy complete. Further, chapter 3, further my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. What we read, rejoice in the Lord always. And then further on, I rejoice. But he doesn't stop talking about joy, yet he's given everything up. There's something in that. That's why he tells these women, he says to the women, he says, you know, get along. Give up yourselves. Go, get along better because we're doing it because there's joy in it. We're doing it for something bigger than yourselves. If we read, I love it, just in chapter 2 of Philippians, if you want to flip back there, don't worry, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. I love it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, instead, do this in humility. Value others above yourselves. Do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You see, this is where joy is found. That's the practical. Not in us moving up in the world or uh, trying to get more, but actually giving ourselves up. And throughout the Bible, it says that's where we find joy. I want to give the ultimate example is, is Jesus. He sits on this throne. He's up there. He's got, he's got angels circling around him, right, praising his name. And then he doesn't go up. He comes down. He gives up all of that to come into flesh and bone to serve. He's a servant leader. It's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, him going up. It's about him coming down for us, for the other. So my question this morning, what, what if people saw Christians sacrificing for the other, and not just for those of us that we like and we're friends, but for those that are enemies? What, if, what would it look like if people looked at the followers of Jesus who were suffering and struggling but had this incredible disposition of joy in their lives always? The Bible says it's, it's, that people will know me... Know that you are disciples of the way that, that, that you show love for another, a love that is sacrificial and a love that is full of joy. See, being joyful is what's is, it's, it's wonderful for us, it's how we, how we operate it, but it's more than that. It's an opportunity to show people who Jesus is. I always ask who, does, who is Paul writing to when he writes these letters? He's writing to people who are followers of Jesus. He writes to them, remind them because we forget. And he's, he's reminding, so he's writing to them, he's writing to us here in this room today. He's saying to us here today that, that we need to rejoice always in the Lord. And if you didn't hear it the first time, he, he loves repeating himself, especially when it's important. And he says, I say it again. He says, rejoice. So my challenge here this morning really is, are you a joyful follower of Jesus? In all circumstances, Right? encourage you to push into Jesus, find out more of him, and let that joy permeate naturally through you. right? I encourage you to call out followers of Jesus who aren't joyful and encourage them to step into the joy that comes from having your name written in the book of life. Paul says it. He says, rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. I'm going to finish with one story. I'm going to finish up. I work at a hospital, I've said this before, and... Uh, you get a variety of people coming through, I do, I do uh, CT scans, that's my job, and it's funny because the people who have the, the smallest injuries are the ones who complain the most, uh, it's a strange sort of concept, like, you know, stop my toe, why am I waiting, you know, whereas there's so someone next door who's, who's literally having, I don't know, I'm not going to say that, it's a bit graphic, but someone who's, who's unwell, let me say that, I don't know, it didn't work, but um, the kid's in the room. So uh, anyway, but I clearly remember, I had this patient I scanned, this, this uh, girl, she was about 18. Severely handicapped, like uh, from birth, I think missing part of her brain. Um, And she comes in and she's really unwell. She's not feeding for some reason. Uh, She's not getting any nutrition, and we have to do a scan to find out what's going on. And she comes in, she comes in on a bed because obviously she's not, she's not, um, she's disabled, she can't move herself. She's very little communication with the outside world, right? Maybe a smile here or there. There's, There's not a lot to her, right? But she's 18, and this mother who comes in with her right, is, is obviously in a tough situation. Her daughter looks like she's going to die, right? But I, I see this woman and she comes in and I, it, despite all her pain, and despite the difficult situation, and I've never seen a more joyful person in my life, right? And not that she was, you know, dancing and happy and doing stuff, but she was, there was a disposition about her that was incredible. And she comes in and I'm reading through the history of the patient because I have to uh, have to, some safety things about giving her uh, some fluid as part of the test. And I'm reading that uh, there was an option for the, this family to the doctors, like pretty much saying, "Listen, just you, there's, there's zero quality of life. Just walk away from this child." But this lady, she decided, "No, no. We 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 want to. This is our child. We're not giving up on her. And we are aware that it's going to be a massive, difficult time ahead of us." Right? as long as we can keep her alive because we love her. And she works hard and she comes in and I've got the patient on the table and uh, ready to scan and the mum just walks over to the daughter, puts in a hand on her and starts praying for her. I'm like, I, I, was, I was a pseudo-Christian back there. I wasn't really, I was, called myself a Christian but was, I had some problems back there. Um, God hadn't revealed himself to me but I'm there going, what is she doing? Is this, who's, like?" And she was just so calm about it. Anyway, so it's like, listen, we, it's a radiation thing. So I said, you need to come behind the screen. She comes behind. I'm thinking, all right, it's this woman who's finding it hard and tough. And despite all that, she just starts telling one about Jesus. I'm like, What's, who is this woman? And she's happy and she's excited to tell people about Jesus. And her daughter is literally the other side of the wall dying. And it's such a profound impact on me. It had something to do with, I absolutely believe, moving me towards Jesus that moment and not just me others in the room there as well that this woman despite her circumstances was joyful I'm hoping that i was talk to her again but her daughter got worse and had to be shipped to a higher end hospital that was about 10 years ago a couple of years ago uh, well, we, we run a Passover festival here. Uh, some of you, most of you, would have probably been to that. I love it; it's exciting. We get uh, J- Lawrence Hirsch, who's this, uh, who's this, uh, a Jew, Jew who became a Christian, and he uh, has a, a place called Celebrate Messiah in Caulfield, where he runs uh, a, a church out of there, and a, a lot of persecution, a lot of attack, um, and has, you know, he's got all. Uh, Caulfield's quite a Jewish community, and they're quite against him and the work he's doing because he's spreading the name of Jesus, right? He comes and does our Passover festivals, and it's great having you along there. And so I rock up to this Passover festival. We've been helping out part of the leadership. And there's a lady sitting there who I don't recognize. So I go up to her just to welcome her, and I sit next to her. She turns around. It's this woman I met in the hospital eight years ago. And I said, oh, I, I remember you. your you're, knew her name. Her name was Louise. It's like, oh, you a?" You were at the hospital, and she says, yeah, yeah, I actually do remember that. And I remember being in that scanner. I'm like, man, you had this profound effect on me because of the way you were. And I'm like, and "Like, I started tearing up. She starts tearing up as well because she's quite attached to her daughter, obviously, and she's very passionate and says, yeah, I remember that. It was a really tough time. She was close call. She almost died. And I'm like, but how, how could you be like that? And I realized that she's actually Lawrence Hirsch's wife. So not only does she have This daughter that is struggling, but she's deep in persecution, right? deep working hard for the Lord. Yet, I've never seen someone so joyful and rejoicing before. This is what Paul is talking about. That That despite our circumstance, I know it's tough for a lot of us, despite this world we live in. Where it's just no joy, that it's cool to be negative, whatever it is. Paul says, rejoice always in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. My, my plea and my beg for the Lord here is that you would be joyful. I mean, if you can see your faces here, like, <laughs> what is he talking about? No, no, but like that God would, God would stir something in us, something that would be exciting and something that would be like, no, we're fighting for the kingdom here. Like, like Paul says, we're contending. I contended with you that we would be people who would contend for the kingdom. Why? Because our names are written in the book of life. We want others' names to be written in the book of life. I'm going to say it again in the words of Paul as I finish. Rejoice always in the Lord. I say it again. Let's be joyful. Let's rejoice. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to say thank you that we have something incredible to be joyful about. That we have something that is wonderful. That we get to be ambassadors of your word that we get to go out and show the world who you are. Not because things are great or things are well for us or this world is, is going spectacular, but because you are the king and you have something to give that is life. Well, the world just looks at the church and just says, Lord, like, oh, it's about rules and regulations and it's negative and it's just horrible, right?" That, that you actually say, no, no, this is about life, this is about joy. So Lord, I pray for all of us here today, that, as we submit ourselves to you, as we sacrifice ourselves to you, that we would find joy in that that we would find joy in the presence of you, that we would find joy in not looking to ourselves but looking to the other, that we would in two thousand and nineteen as we as we really try and set up this year for what you were doing Lord, that this is this is not about us as we say here Lord that it 's more than me, but this is all about you, this is all about the other Lord, I pray that we would find in an incredible, amazing, wonderful joy in who you are and what it is that you are doing here. Lord, as Paul says, I'm going to say it again, rejoice always in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice.